If we turn your Bibles to the book of Acts, chapter 8, we'll read verses 18 through 24. That is the book of Acts, chapter 8, verses 18 through 24. And it reads as follows. Now when Simon saw the Spirit was given through the laying on the apostles' hands, he offered them money, saying, Give me this power also, so that anyone whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter said to him, May your silver perish with you, because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. You have neither part nor lot in this matter, for your heart is not right before God. Repent, therefore, of this wickedness of yours, and pray to the Lord that, if possible, the intent of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that you are in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. And Simon answered, Pray for me to the Lord that nothing of what you have said may come upon me. Thank you. may be seated. Well, I'm delighted to be with you today, and I'm very grateful for your presence this morning, and look forward to being with you again tonight at 6 o'clock. And for those of you who are visiting with us, we're very happy to have you, and I hope that you'll come back and be with us whenever you possibly can. We always love to have our visitors, and I hope you'll stay long enough for us to become acquainted. We want you to know how important you are to us, and that your soul is the most important thing that you have, and we want to do the very best that we can to help you with that. Study what God wants for your soul and our souls, and let's encourage each other and study the Bible, follow the scriptures faithfully, and go to heaven together. That's our goal. You're with us today. We're happy about that. Happy that each and every one is here. Happy that these men have led us in such a fine way in our worship service, the singing of these beautiful songs, the prayers, and all these matters have been done in such a fine way and respectful way. We're always very grateful for that. You can see from the passage and the reading today of Acts chapter 8 that the book of Acts is a book of conversions. You're going to have a lot of conversions in the book of Acts. Many times in the book of Acts, you'll have large numbers of people obeying the gospel. They hear a gospel sermon, hear about repentance, and hear about confession, and hear about being baptized, and, and they respond. You know what happened on the day of Pentecost? Some 3,000 obeyed the gospel there on that day. Sometimes there were large segments of people that obeyed the gospel. But also in the book of Acts, there's time spent on just one person hearing the gospel and being baptized. And then over here, there's another person. And the Holy Spirit, through Luke, he writes down what happened to this one person. Sometimes you have large amounts of people being baptized. Sometimes you have just one person hearing the gospel and being baptized. And you wonder about why. Why would Luke emphasize just one person being converted to Christ and hearing the gospel message and the importance of him becoming a Christian or her becoming a Christian as you read about it in the Bible? One thing we know, we know that every word of God is important. And we know that every word of God has purpose behind it. God has a purpose behind giving us that information. God has a reason. It's not just there by accident. It is there by purpose and intention. And one of the intentions would have to be 
to let us know what that person did after their baptism. And I began to look at these particular people who were baptized, and I was looking at at the individuals that were baptized, and I began to ask myself the question, yeah, but what happened after their baptism? And I started compiling some names of individuals who were baptized. There sometimes were great crowds of people who came forward and obeyed the gospel of Christ. And then there were times when just one individual would obey the gospel. And Luke tells us about that. And I begin wondering, what happened after that person was baptized? And I take away from that lesson, what about me after I've been baptized? What do I do? And where do I go? And what do I become? So I want to emphasize today what the Bible emphasizes after their baptism. And when I look at these cases of being baptized, I'm going to talk a little bit about what brought them to the point of being baptized, that is, immersed in water for the remission of their sins. But then I also want to focus on primarily, though, what happened to them after they were baptized and see what kind of activities came about in their lives. And according to our reading, Simon Simon the magician was baptized. Now, Philip was quite an evangelist. And you read about the work of Philip going up into Samaria, that part north of Judea and Jerusalem. And the word of God is spreading. And people are hearing the word of God. And the Samaritans are hearing the word of God. And the church in Jerusalem hears how that even the Samaritans now north of them are obeying the gospel of Christ So Peter and John are sent up there, and they in turn, as you read from this 8th chapter, uh, laid their hands on them, and some of them received miraculous work of the Holy Spirit, miraculous deeds to be done to guide them and lead them and direct them while the Bible is coming together and while the church is in its infancy. And one of the people that heard the gospel message, repented of his sins and was baptized into Christ, was a man by the name of Simon. And Simon was a magician. And when Simon saw the laying on of the apostles' hands and the gift of the Holy Spirit, the gifts that were conveyed by the laying on of the apostles' hands in Acts chapter 8, he wanted that power. He wanted that ability. And I guess just that old magician's trade was still in him because he thought, if I could do that, What a magician I would be. Uh, What a magician I would become. I could really be a great one if I had that kind of power in order to lay hands on people. And they received these miraculous gifts, which they had in the first century period of time. And he goes to Peter. And he says, now give me this power so that anyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter said to him, May your silver perish with you, because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. Now literally what he meant there was, May you and your silver go to perdition. May you and your silver perish. Because you thought that you could obtain this by purchase of money. He says, you have neither part nor lot in this matter, for your heart is not right before God. Repent, therefore, 
of this wickedness of yours and pray to the Lord that if possible the intent of your heart might be forgiven you. Your heart's not right. You don't have any part in this particular matter. You're not what you ought to be. You're guilty of this sin. Now I'm really getting to the point that I had in mind about Simon. I want to learn what happened to this man after he was baptized. And I find out he made a serious mistake. He goes to Peter and he says, I want to purchase this ability. I got some silver here and I've got money that I've obtained and I I want to purchase. He says, may your money perish with you because your heart's not right. You have neither part nor lot in this particular matter. What you need to do is pray. You need to repent and you need to pray. Notice how I put it in verse 22. Repent therefore of this wickedness of yours and pray to the Lord, if possible, the intent of your heart might be forgiven you. Now, it's interesting to me to notice that the word uh, pray there is a little different word. Proskuneo generally is the word that is used for prayer or to pray, but here's a different word. And I, I suppose the actual meaning, the pronunciation of that word really doesn't matter to us, does it? But the meaning really does matter. And the meaning of the word prayer here, when he uses it in verse 22, is you need to get down in your face and beg God to forgive you. That's what you need to do. You need to repent of this. You need to change. You need to get it behind you. And you don't need to be doing this again. And you need to get down on your hands and knees and beg God to forgive you of the sin you've got in your heart. Your heart's not right. Repent, therefore, of this wickedness of yours and pray to the Lord that if possible the intent of your heart may be forgiven you for I see that you are in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity Simon answered pray for me to the Lord that nothing of what you have said may come upon me you need to get down on your knees and beg God to forgive you Because you've committed a terrible mistake here. The mistake that you've made is to think that you could buy this ability with money. Your heart's not right. You need to get your heart right. You need to repent and you need to pray. That's what happened to this man after he was baptized. This man was baptized and he heard the preaching of Philip and the Samaritans had obeyed the gospel and this man had become a Christian, just like we're taught in the pages of the Bible. But what happened to him after he was baptized? He made a terrible mistake. You know, I've sat down with people and I've studied the Bible with them. I sat in their kitchen table. And I always like to do that. I don't know why. But it just seemed like I could take the Bible and, and a notepad and just write out the Bible verses and we would sit there and concentrate on the matter and, and teaching people about what they needed to do to become Christian, to become children of God. And I don't know how many times somebody has said to me, well, I'm just afraid I'll make a mistake. And then I've had people say, well, I'm afraid that I just will fall. I'm afraid of that. I'm afraid if I go ahead and do this that I won't be able to hold out. I won't be able to to stay the course. And my answer to that is, yes, you are going to make mistakes. And yes, you will not be able to hold out. And you'll have to come back and repent. That's going to happen to you. After your baptism, what's going to happen? After your baptism, you're going to make mistakes, just like old Simon did. 
After your baptism, there are going to be times when you just cannot seem to hold out. And there may even be a point in time in your life with regard to the problems of life that you face. You throw your hands up in the air and you say, I just quit. I quit. I just can't do it. I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm not going to live like this anymore. All of us go through temptations like that. What happens after baptism? We make mistakes, just like old Simon did. But what was Simon told to do? You can get forgiveness, Simon. Forgiveness is still there if you will repent and get down on your knees and beg God to forgive you. And determine in your heart and your mind, I'm not going to do that again. I'm going to do my very best to live the faithful Christian life. I'm not going to live like that. That's what I learned what happened to a man after he was baptized. He made a terrible mistake. But forgiveness was still there for him. And forgiveness is still there for you. If you've made mistakes after being baptized, after becoming a child of God, you can get forgiveness. You repent of the mistake. And you pray God forgive you. You devote yourself to the will and the word of the Lord. And the forgiveness is there for you. Now here's an interesting character. I admire him so much. If you turn over here in Acts chapter 8, you're going to read about him, and we read about Philip once again. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship. Went in an old iron chariot all the way to Jerusalem. From Ethiopia up to Jerusalem, that was no easy trip. And on his way back, he's reading the Scripture. Isn't that wonderful? The man had taken his Bible to worship with him, and it was coming back. Did you bring your Bible to worship today? You follow along in the reading of the Scripture? Could you hold your Bible up today? Say, yes, sir, I brought my Bible with me to worship. Bring your Bible to worship. I want you to know that the man had a Bible. He had a Bible and he brought it to worship with him. And he's reading the Bible on the way back. The Spirit of the Lord told Philip, this great evangelist, go join yourself to the chariot. There's a man reading the Scripture there. And he's reading from the prophecy of Isaiah, Isaiah 53. What a beautiful verse it was. Like a sheep he was led to the slaughter, like a lamb before its shearers is silent. So he opens not his mouth, and his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation, for his life is taken away from the earth? And the Ethiopian said, now who is he talking about? Is he talking about himself, or is he talking about someone else? And Philip took that opportunity at that point and began to teach and preach to him about Jesus. And he took that prophecy, and he started talking to him about Christ. And as they would travel along the way... The Ethiopian said, now, now I understand about this better now. Here's water. What hinders me from being baptized? The old iron chariot came to a stop. Both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water. Philip baptized him for the remission of his sins. But what I really am more interested in is what happened to him after he was baptized. You come to this particular passage, verse 39. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away. And the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. He went on his way rejoicing after he was baptized. Now to say that he went on his way, he continued on his journey. He was a man of great authority. He's going back to Ethiopia, continued on his way to Ethiopia. But I know one thing after our baptism, after your baptism. You're going to go on your way. You're going to go back to your routine. 
you're baptized into Christ and you're going to go back to your home. You're baptized into Christ, you're going to go on your way back to the job, back to the school, back to your normal routine. That's what you're going to do. You're baptized into Christ for the remission of sins and you'll go back on your way to your routine. But now you will go on your way rejoicing. This man was taught about Jesus Christ and he was able to put all the pieces together. Do you understand what you're reading? He says, well, how can I let somebody teach me? Somebody's got to guide me here. There's some things I don't understand about this. And Philip began at the passage and taught him about Christ and instrumental in teaching one about Christ. Naturally, the matter of being baptized comes up and he says, I want to be baptized. I want that. And he went on his way. He went back to his routine, but only he went back to his routine rejoicing, filled with joy. Because now he's able to put all the pieces of his life together. That there's a reason for living. There's a purpose for living. That God is a God in heaven who wants and loves us so much so that he wants fellowship with us. And that fellowship can be obtained through repentance of sin and baptism into Christ for the remission of sins. And now there's a spring in my step like I've never had before. There's a smile on my face like I've never had before. There's a light-heartedness about my life I've never had before, a purpose of living because I know that I've done and been obedient to the divine will of God. What happened after the man was baptized? He went on his way, but he went on his way rejoicing. And that's the way it'll be with you, and that's the way it'll be with me, that now we rejoice in our hearts. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice, Philippians chapter 4, a purpose for living. God has given me that direction, and He's given me that purpose. I'm interested in what happens to these people after they've been baptized. Now here's a fellow that you know very well, his name's Saul of Tarsus. Saul of Tarsus, in Acts chapter 9, as we turn the page, we find that he's a persecutor of the church of the living God, could not stand them. The idea of Christians being in Damascus angered him to such an extent that he received letters of authority from the chief priests and was traveling all the way up the road to Damascus to take these Christians and bind them and bring them back for judgment and persecution in the city of Jerusalem. But something happened along the way. There that great light shone from heaven. He goes into the street named Straight. Ananias goes to him. Saul, why tarriest thou, arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. And what a marvelous story. I thrill at every prospect of telling it, that this man, filled with such anger and hate, now is a Christian. Now is a Christian. But my point of emphasis is what happened to him after he became a Christian. Notice what happens to him immediately following the matter. I'm in Acts chapter 9. I'm looking at verse 18. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes, and he regained his sight. Then he rose and he was baptized, and taking food he was strengthened. For some days he was with the disciples at Damascus. And immediately he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogue, saying, He is the Son of God. He did that immediately upon being baptized. He's evangelistic. When an individual is baptized into Christ, 
Or this individual wants to tell other people about Christ and what Christ has done for them. Now here's a guy who hated the Christ and who hated the followers of Christ, but immediately he goes and is proclaiming. This English uh, translation says, he proclaimed. It goes back to a special Greek word. He's heralding. A herald is an individual who'd go into the town with a message, and he would stand up and he would herald the message. He would proclaim the message, whatever the message happened to be. Well, the message, a king might have a message for the community, and the herald would go and proclaim the message. He had something to say, and the people would stop and listen to the message of the herald. Well, here's an individual who's heralding the message of the king, which is Jesus Christ. And immediately he's going, and he's saying, Jesus is the Christ. Did you notice what he said about Jesus? He's the Son of God. The only time the phrase Son of God is used in the book of Acts, it's used by a new convert. And his name was Saul of Tarsus. He's telling people, you can't stop this guy from telling people about Jesus Christ. And we know what kind of life he lived. We know what kind of man he came to be. And all who heard him were amazed and said, Is not this the man who made havoc in Jerusalem of those who called upon this name? And has he not come here for this purpose? to bring them bound before the chief priests. I'm reading from the text, you see. I'm looking at verse 22. But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Christ. Couldn't stop him. You couldn't stop this fellow from talking about Christ. What happens after they're baptized? What happened after this man was baptized? You could not stop him from talking about the gospel message. And you couldn't stop him from talking about Jesus Christ. And even the people that hated Christ and hated the Christians, he's now one of them. And they're saying, man, this guy, he's made a total about face. He used to be opposed to it. Now he's proclaiming it. And they couldn't stop him. He's proving Jesus is the Son of God. You know, that's the way it is. It ought to be with us. We ought to be filled with such zeal. Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and not ashamed to say it. And to tell people about it. I want to talk about this fellow right here. His name Cornelius. You turn on into the pages of the Bible, go a little deeper into the book, you find Acts chapter 10. Angel of the Lord comes to Cornelius, tells him to send men to Joppa to find a man named Simon, whose surname is Peter. And to bring him back, he'll tell thee words, whereby thou and all thy house might be saved. Being obedient to the heavenly visitor, he sends men to Joppa, and there's Simon. Simon is brought before him, and in turn teaches and preaches the gospel to Cornelius and his household. While that is happening, Acts chapter 11 needs to be studied in this regard. Holy Spirit fell on them. And then Peter would talk about this matter in the 11th chapter. He said it fell on them just like it did on us at the beginning. Who could deny them the gospel? And when they all heard this matter, where they rejoiced over the fact that now the Gentiles have been added to the body of Christ. Acts chapter 10, Acts chapter 11. My concern in the matter is what did he do after he was baptized? In Acts chapter 10 and 43. To him all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Then that discussion about the Spirit which I referenced, go to verse 48. And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. 
Then they ask him to remain for some days. Well, what are they doing? Cornelius is saying after their baptism, please stay with us. Please stay. Then they ask him to remain. Don't go back to Joppa. But you stay here as long as you can. Why? I can only suppose the reason why was to teach us more about Christ. We want to know more about this. We want to know more about the church that we've been added to. What did they do after they were baptized? They wanted to know more about Christ and they wanted to be taught more about Christ. That's what Christians do. Christians learn about the gospel and they learn about Christ. But they're never satisfied with what they know. They want to know more. They study from the Bible. They study from the text. They look at this. They look at that. And they try to piece that together. One thing we should always do as Christians after we've been baptized and even before is I'm studying about the Word of God and I'm looking at a book and I'm looking at a chapter and I'm looking at a verse and in my mind I always ought to be asking myself the question, how does this teach me more about Christ? How does this help me understand the gospel better? I don't care if you're in Genesis 1-1 or in Revelation chapter 21. You're asking yourself the question, how does this help me understand what Jesus did for me and what God has done in sending His Son into this world? Help me understand this better. And so I'm studying this and I'm learning more and more. And what did Cornelius want after he was baptized? Stay with us. Don't go. Stay with us. Let's learn more. Teach us more about Jesus. That's what a Christian should be like. Let's study. Let's study more. And it doesn't matter if the Old Testament or the New Testament. Help me more. Help me to learn about Jesus Christ. There it is. Now this is an interesting individual on the second missionary journey of the Apostle Paul. It's in Acts chapter 16. Let me talk a little bit about this lady here, Lydia. Holy Spirit inspired Luke to write about her conversion for a reason. What does he want me to know about this conversion? Why they cross over the Bosporus Straits into Europe for the very first time. They go to Samothracia and then Neapolis, and then on to the colony known as Philippi. There they go out to the riverside where the women are, the women are, and they're praying and they're having a service out there on the riverside. There the Apostle Paul talks to them and begins to speak to them about Jesus. Acts chapter 16 and 13, and on the Sabbath day we went outside the gate. To the riverside, where we supposed there was a place of prayer, and we sat down and spake to the women who had come together. One who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple, purple goods. You know, these women are mentioned here. Lydia is mentioned here. When you turn to the book of Philippians, which Paul wrote from prison, He references two women, Judea and Syntyche, who had a quarrel with each other in chapter 4. And then he references a true yoke fellow. Now, the true yoke fellow, we've often wondered who the true yoke fellow might be. But he gives instruction 
in Philippians chapter 4, as a true yoke fellow, help these women to end this quarrel or squabble among themselves and get back together again and be at peace with each other. I just wonder if in the word women here in Acts 16, Judea and Syntyche might be involved there on the riverside hearing Paul preach the gospel and that that yoke fellow might be Lydia herself. Most everyone takes that to mean the preacher at Philippi, probably at the time was Epaphras, but we don't know that. And it could be the original word for yoke fellow might be a name itself, and we've translated that as yoke fellow. Philippians chapter 4 is where I'm coming from. What I'm saying is there's a lot of history behind this great book, Philippians. There's a lot of history behind these people who are now obeying the gospel, and Lydia hears the gospel and she wants to be baptized. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul, verse 15, and after she was baptized and her household. Now that's what I'm getting at. That's what I want to know about. What happened after? And after she was baptized and her household as well, she urged us saying, if you've judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. You know what Lydia was? She was hospitable. And when I read about New Testament Christians, I read about hospitable people. The hospitable nature of these people is truly amazing. How that they were concerned about each other and helped each other along the way. They were concerned about the brethren. You know what happened? The Apostle Paul is in jail. And I'll talk about that in just a minute. But in the very last verse of this chapter, Acts 16 after getting out of jail, where do they go? So they went out to the prison, went out of the prison, and visited Lydia. And when they had seen the brothers, they encouraged them and departed. After they getting out of prison, they go to the house of Lydia again. Very hospitable. That's what Christian people are. Christian people are hospitable people. People who are helpful in times of need. When the time is of need arises, Christian people step forward. And they help with this and help with that with all the regard of those who are in need. But I want to talk about this individual here. I've always been interested in this man. And we know him as the Philippian jailer. You remember about uh, the time when Paul's there at Philippi, the slave girl, and a, he um, cast out the demon from the slave girl and the merchants who were merchandising from her and using her had lost their means of gain. And so in turn, they uh, uh, actually caused a great riot there with regard to the uh, uh, town, and they throw them in jail. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns, and the prisoners were hearing them as they prayed, and a great earthquake came, and the prison cells opened up, and they came... Uh, uh, forward there and the jailer drew his sword ready to slay himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped but Paul cried with a loud voice verse 28 do, harm, do not harm yourself for we are all here the jailer called for lights and rushed in and trembling with fear fell down before Paul and Silas and verse 30 said sirs what must I do to be saved believe in the Lord with all your heart and you will be saved Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you'll be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in the house. 
You see, they go on to teach him more specifically about what he needed to do, about repentance and about being baptized. And he took them the same hour of the night, washed their wounds, and was baptized at once in all his family. And he brought them up into his house, and he set food before them. And he rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. Here's another individual. What did he do after he was baptized? Where he rejoiced. He reminds us of the Ethiopian. However, there's a different word for rejoiced used here. The word rejoiced here is a word which means that he was filled with joy. It's almost like jumping for joy. It is a different word that's expressed in this passage. Some translations will say he rejoiced greatly to try to convey the idea of the great enthusiasm and the great joy that he had. Well, the Ethiopian rejoiced. He went on his way rejoicing. But here this jailer rejoiced with such enthusiasm and such desire that he truly came to understand what it meant to be baptized. And this is what he did after his baptism. You see that man right there, Simon? How many of us have been like Simon? We've made mistakes, but forgiveness is possible. That Ethiopian, genuinely happy over what he was able to do. The Word of God came into his life, and he put the pieces together, and he did what God had wanted him to do. This person right here, Paul, you couldn't stop him from telling others about Christ. These are things that the people did after they were baptized. Well, he's telling everybody, and they couldn't stop him. Even the enemies of the church of the Lord couldn't stop Paul. Then there's Cornelius, begging Peter to stay. Teach us more, teach us more. We want to learn more about the gospel message and about Christ. Lydia opened up her house, filled with hospitality. Such a wonderful individual. And where did they naturally want to go after being released from incarceration to the house of Lydia? And the jailer was so excited where words just can't express the excitement which he had. But as I bring this down together here to a conclusion, I can't help but go into the next chapter of Acts chapter 17. And I look at a verse there in Acts 17, found for us in verse 6. I look at people like Simon, this Ethiopian, ordinary people. Ordinary people touched by an extraordinary message. And look what they did. And when they could not find them, they dragged Jason and some of the brothers before the city authorities shouting, These men who have turned the world upside down have come here also. What kind of men and women turned that world upside down? Ordinary Ah, there's Paul, Cornelius, ordinary people, Lydia, the jailer. But those ordinary people have been touched by an extraordinary language and they, extraordinary message, and they turn that world upside down. The world's not the same anymore because of what they were able to do after they were baptized. Now, you and I live in a city called Tyler, Texas. And it's a beautiful place to live. We could turn this town upside down. We could make it better than it's ever been before. 
after our baptism. I suppose that I'm speaking today to most people who have been baptized. I don't know the hearts and minds of everybody in the audience today, but I would say by and large, why these people that I'm speaking to today accepted Christ. You believe in Christ, you're here. You've repented of your sins, you've been baptized into Christ for the remission of sins, and you said, yes, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. We're just ordinary people. But we've been touched by an extraordinary message. And we can change this town for what's right by every one of us realizing that when I make mistakes, I'm not going to get down on myself. But I'm going to get down on my knees. And I'm going to repent of those mistakes and I'm going to get it out of my life and beg God for His mercy and forgiveness. It's still there available to me. And I can help change this city all around, upside down, when my heart is filled with joy over the fact of what God has done for me. When I just can't stop telling people about Christ and the church that belongs to Christ. When I have this insatiable desire to learn more and more about Jesus and His will for my life. When I open up my home, being filled with a desire to help other people in hospitality, concerned about the stranger. And there's so much joy in my life. I tell you, there's never a moment. Let me explain. There's never a moment that we really ought to be down and out when we count our blessings and see what God has done for us, I'm absolutely excited. And there's not one reason for anyone to feel down and out at the Broadway Church of Christ. We are filled with the love of God. And we grow in faith as we study His Word. And we grow more concerned about each other as the day goes by. And we're encouraging of one another to help us go to heaven. There's not one reason that we should feel down and out. We should be absolutely excited. I'm not trying to say we ought to be doing cartwheels down the middle of the aisle. You know what I'm talking about. In my heart, there is the inexpressible joy. I'm thankful I'm a child of God. I'm thankful that you're a child of God. I'm thankful. I'm filled with the excitement and the joy of knowing that we're going to heaven together. That's what happens after the baptism. Let that happen after our baptism into Jesus Christ. Never obeyed the gospel? Then let's get down to brass tacks on that matter. Repent of your sins and confess your faith. Be baptized into Christ for the remission of sins as the Bible teaches you ought. Then when you come from that watery grave, let there be a spring in the step and a smile on the face that you're now a child of God. And it makes all the difference in the world. Won't you come? While together we stand and while we sing.